Hello, and welcome to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast. Today, Pastor Phil speaks about gratitude in a Thanksgiving message called Give Thanks. And now, here's today's teaching. Good morning. The scripture reading for today is Psalm 100. You might notice it has a title, which is a psalm for giving thanks. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you very much, Kate. So we learned earlier in our service that we, the children of God, those who have been rescued and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we are called to be a Eucharistic people, a people characterized by thanksgiving. Kate just read Psalm 100 to us, and as she made note of The title at the top top of this psalm is a psalm for giving thanks. How appropriate for our service today. It's a a great psalm, and I'm sure it's one that's a favorite of many of you who are uh, here in this room or those who are joining us online. I would like to ask two questions of this psalm, and then I would like to ask one more question of some other scriptures. The three questions are these. The first question is, why give thanks? The second question is, how to give thanks? And the third question is, how often to give thanks? The answer to which you already know. How often should we give thanks to God? Always and for everything. Thank you. So the first question then, why give thanks? And before we go there, let me talk about the structure of Psalm 100. We're gonna go for our first question to the very last verse of this psalm. And I just want us to pay attention to the structure of the psalm. I want you to notice verses one through four, we find a sevenfold summons to give thanks. And then in verse five, we have the reason to give thanks. We have a threefold foundation, if you like, for giving thanks. So think of the shape of this psalm as a building. And think of the, 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 the bottom verse, verse five, as the foundation of this building, right? And think of verses one through four as the superstructure of the building. Or if you'd like something a little more organic, think of it as a tree. Think of verse five as the root structure of the psalm. Where it, it's drawing life up from the soil that's rich in nutrients. And what's up there in the trees is the leaves, the fruit of thanksgiving, if you like. So let's look at verse five. This is the foundation. This is the root structure, the reason for giving thanks. It says this, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Please notice a couple things with me. What's the first word of this verse? It's the word for or the word because. So this sevenfold summons to give thanks is above all of this. And now the psalmist writes because. 
This is kind of the foundational truth that we need to know in order to give thanks in the way that he's calling us to do it. And let's notice the three characteristics of God that are mentioned in this verse. We have his goodness, we have his steadfast love, and we have his faithfulness. Let me say right away that each of these characteristics of God could be the subject of multiple sermons. My goal this morning is not to do an exhaustive study of these characteristics of God, but rather what I want to do together with us, together with you today, is to point out, point out how each of these characteristics of God find their roots back in the Eucharistic table, back in the table of thanks that we've already participated in this morning. So let's go with the first characteristic of God. It says, God is good. This is a declaration by this psalmist, but it's also an often repeated declaration throughout the Old and New Testaments. God is good. Many people in our world have trouble believing that. How could a good God allow so much suffering and evil and injustice to prevail in our world? How could a good God not prevent these natural disasters that cause havoc, hurricanes, tornadoes, etc., that, that result in seemingly loss of life and property? Couldn't God prevent that, a good God? If we're honest in our own hearts, perhaps there's moments when we would question also the goodness of God times when we go through particularly difficult moments, times of grief, times of sickness, illness of ourself or a loved one. I wanna suggest that we can only really see and know for sure about the goodness of God when we step back and take a big picture view of the story of scripture. In the beginning, in the story of creation, we see a good God who creates a flawless world, and he calls it good. He calls it very good. All relationships in perfect harmony, it's very good. It was we, it was we humans who brought evil and destruction into our world because we rejected the good God who created us and the good gift of life as he gave it to us. And we said, no, we don't want to follow your instructions. We want to reach out and take life on our own. We want to be in charge of our lives. Thank you very much. And the moment that happened, evil entered into our world. And God, in order to be true to his holy nature, expelled those early humans from the garden and brought judgment upon us. Take note, this good God did not abandon those humans. He did not abandon them. In fact, he put into motion right away the beginnings of the plan for rescue, for redemption, for restoration of what was in that original garden. And I wanna suggest to you that at the core and the center and the foundation of God's work of restoration and rescue is represented right here on this table. 
It's all about Jesus and why he came and what he came to accomplish by dying in place of you and I in order to give us the good gift of life. And so he says to us, this is my body given for you. Can you get any more good than that? This is my blood shed for you. We hear the goodness of God. We heard it already, but here it is again, the most well-known verse in the Bible for a good reason, I think. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. The gift of eternal life is just that. It's eternal. And as we read in Romans 8, it's a gift that can never be taken away. My dear friends, we can never be the kind of people who are thankful always and for everything unless we come to a firm conviction in our hearts that God is good. But secondly, this verse tells us that God's steadfast love endures forever. God's steadfast love endures forever. So much could be said about this phrase, this word, steadfast love, as it's translated in the ESV, is translated variously in other translations. Loving kindness, mercy, sometimes simply love. It's an incredibly powerful Hebrew word. It's a word which is, it begins with a, one of these guttural H's that the Hebrew alphabet has. It's the word chesed. Chesed. Biblical scholar uh, by, the, by the name of Delitz, who is a, a specialist in the Hebrew language, says this, when used of God, this word chesed denotes in general, and listen to what he says, the divine love, which means God, right, this good God of all creation, this is the divine love condescending to his creatures and more especially to sinners. Do you catch the picture there? This is the good God coming down to humans who have rejected him. Right? That's what's happening here. This good God is coming down and what's he showing to these humans who have rejected him? He's showing them unmerited kindness. That's another way to think about chesed. Unmerited kindness. You and I didn't deserve the kindness of God, and yet he gave it to us. So think of a cluster of words to describe God, to make up this picture of the word chesed. Think of unmerited kindness. We think of forgiveness. We think of mercy. We think how scripture declares God delights in showing this kind of steadfast love to people. He is slow to anger, but abounding in chesed abounding in steadfast love. And where do we look to see the ultimate expression of this characteristic of God? Indeed, right here on the table again. This is where God came in the person of Jesus. Listen to how Paul describes it in Philippians chapter two. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. 
by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we who receive the gift from him should not die, but have eternal life. This is the steadfast love. This is the chesed of God. This is the love that endures forever. And it's the foundation of our giving thanks. Thirdly, the psalmist goes on to use the word faithfulness. He says God's faithfulness, and we take the word endures from the previous phrase, God's faithfulness also endures to all generations. Faithfulness. What are some other words we could use in place of faithfulness? Unchangeable. God is unchangeable. He is constant. And what does that mean? That this characteristic of God means that we can absolutely put our trust in God because his faithfulness endures through all generations. And once again, we come back to our table. The price that Jesus paid to purchase our rescue was the ultimate price. He gave his life. The resurrection of Jesus was the once and for all declaration that death has been defeated. No evil in our world can roll back the work that the work of Jesus that is represented on this table. God is faithful. And God is unmistakably moving history forward toward that day when the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in and there will be no more death, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And that's the day we look forward to. And God is faithful to, and he is bringing it about. So we have this threefold foundation. We see God's goodness, we see God's steadfast love, and we see God's faithfulness. So we turn to our second question, then how? How do we give thanks? Well, in the first four verses, as I mentioned, we have a sevenfold summons to give thanks. And so having examined the foundation, I want to be more brief as we look at the building itself, this sevenfold summons to give thanks. So here are the seven imperatives, the seven command words in the psalm that call us to give thanks. So the first one is make a joyful noise. Then you have serve the Lord with gladness. Then come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him and bless his name. A sevenfold summons to be thankful to give thanks to God. Let's look at each one of them just very briefly. First, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. The scriptures from beginning to end, really, they call for an exuberant response of thanks to God because of his greatness, because of his goodness, because of his faithfulness, not just from humans, but also from the trees and the mountains, right? The trees of the field, they clap their hands because of how great God is. The message translation of the Bible, I like the way Eugene translated this phrase, he puts it this way. It says, on your feet now, applaud God. Well, our worship style is a little subdued. Wouldn't you say? Worship styles vary according to culture, according to church culture, nationality culture. 
But let us never hold back from exuberant thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Second is serve the Lord with gladness. You know, worshiping and giving thanks isn't just about words. It's about actions, right? Serve. Give everything you are to the God who's given everything to you. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's not just about duty, right? It's about serving with joy. Serving with joy. So many of you have signed up to be a part of the ministries during our ministry fair, and I'm so grateful for that. But don't ever look at that as a duty. Let us together serve the Lord in our church, in our community, in our city with gladness and joy. Thirdly, it says, come into his presence with singing. Corporate singing seems to be a key part of our expression of thanks to God. Of course, this isn't just about corporate singing. We can sing in the shower. We can sing in our cars. We can sing when no one else hears us. Let me just take a moment to talk about singing corporately. I believe that the, the, in a, in a, particularly in an intergenerational church as ours, the task of choosing and leading music is one of the most difficult tasks. Because each of us has a heart language when it comes to music, right? And your heart language is different from my heart language. I hear that there's some people who believe there's only two kinds of music, country and western. But the point is, we all have different tastes, right? So let me make a pastoral appeal to us as a congregation. It could be that the music that we sing on a Sunday morning isn't, isn't quite your cup of tea. Let me make a couple of comments just to simply say, be gracious. Be gracious. But also, please, don't forget that it's not actually about the music so much as it is the content of what we're singing, right? And I believe that our music team right now is doing a great job of choosing songs that are theologically robust. Thank you. Theologically robust and songs that we can sing. So let's join in, yeah? Let's join in, come before his presence with singing as we give thanks to God. Well, fourth one says, know that the Lord, he is God. And the verse goes on to say that it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So our giving thanks is not just about words or serving, it's also about what we know, right? So learn, learn about God. Know who God is. And know for certain, this verse tells us, know for certain that he is God and you are not. That was the problem in the garden, right? Adam and Eve said, you're not God, we want to be God. And that's rebellion. So know that he is God and he has made us and we are his well-tended sheep. Fifth one says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so again, this is this idea of corporate worship. Enter his gates. Well, we don't have 
gates exactly, we have glass doors. But we come, and we come to fill this space with songs of praise, with hearing the word, with responding with thanksgiving to him. For those of you who join us online, there's many reasons why perhaps you can't be here, but let me encourage you, first of all, to find other believers with which to give praise to God, because it's really about doing it together as much as we can. And if you can come and join us, we'd love to have you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. The sixth one simply says, give thanks to him. Yep, give thanks to him. The more we come to know our good God, the more we give thanks, but don't ever forget. Give thanks, give thanks to him. And seventh is simply bless. Bless his name as we thank him. We also worship. We worship him because of his goodness, because of his steadfast love, because of his faithfulness. By way of concluding, I wish to bring a challenge to our hearts and mind by, by reminding us of the how often question. And I want to do it by putting several verses of scripture to show you that it's not only Ephesians 5.20 that calls us to worship God always and for everything. There's many scriptures that we could turn to. I've chosen four of them. And this is the way I would like us to do it. Um, just to make note of the fact that we're answering this question, how often to give thanks? You already know the answer. I'm gonna ask the music team to come forward now, but what I'd like to invite us to do together is to read these verses aloud as they come on the screen and to really just focus on them, all right? These are verses that call us to praise, to, to, to give thanks to God always in different ways. And what I'd like us to do is, is, as we close our service, is just to read them aloud together and then just let them sink in. All right? If you're able, please stand with me so that we can read these words together. First one comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica. We say together, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Have a look at that. Paul is setting us an example here. Well, let's jump to the end of 1 Thessalonians. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's pretty challenging, isn't it? This is the will of God for you. Well, here's one we already know, Ephesians 5.20. Let's say it together giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always and for everything. And the final one, Colossians three seventeen. 
And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we now close in prayer, I invite you to let the Holy Spirit of God challenge your heart in relation to how you're doing at being thankful. How's your heart? How's your Thanksgiving quotient on this Thanksgiving day? I found this study deeply challenging. I pray that God will move your heart also so that together we may become a community of God's people truly marked by thankfulness, thanksgiving, and not just on Thanksgiving Day, but every day. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Psalm 100, which teaches us so clearly. Thank you for so many expressions, so many calls to be thankful in scripture. Lord, forgive, forgive our complaining. Forgive our, yeah, just the ways in which we grumble and complain. Lord, would you forgive us? Give us grace to see the big picture. Give us grace to see the hard things of life in the greater context of your goodness. Lord, I pray especially for those going through really difficult waters today. Let this not be light, but may it be that your goodness would break through even to, into those times of challenge and difficulty. And would we all be able to respond giving thanks always and for everything because you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever and your faithfulness endures through all generations. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Podcast.